2: It's Thursday. to it September 12th. It is 2019 and we are here to talk week two NFL uh, for the second straight week. I'm joined by Alan Lem. How's it going, Alan?
3: It's going well. Thanks for having me again.
2: Yeah, um, no offense to you. Uh, Will is like 90, 90% sure he'll be back for week three. Um, so hopefully you know that all comes you know works out. I'm excited to work with Will again but um I really do appreciate you hopping on here for week two. Week one, I feel like, you know, we gave out some really good information. We missed on a couple things. Like, you know, and one of the things that I missed on personally was an injury. Like, I had a lot of Nick Foles. So, like, I I can't even, like, hate myself for that because, like, my team did really well. If I would have got, like, ten more points from Foles, like, I would have crushed double ups on pretty much every site. But, you know, so I'm not – I'm not ever one of those people that are like injuries, um, are, are a bus because you can't predict those.
3: Yeah. I mean, we all came in with the same lack of information. You know, we didn't know what to expect from some of these teams, you know, injuries, uh, got me as well, but, um, I think, you know, we had some decent, you know, low end calls. I think we were high on you know Delaney Walker. We were high on, um, Evan Ingram. Um, I mean, a lot of the plays that we were on did well, but yeah, we can't predict the injuries and you know, hopefully we just, uh, use what we saw in week one and try and make the best informed decisions we can for this week.
2: Yeah. I wish I would have played more Lamar Jackson. I played Lamar Jackson at a good, like a good bit of Lamar Jackson, but I talked about how bad I thought the Miami dolphins were going to be. And like, they look like a college team out there. So uh, I would, I would take Clemson or Alabama. I think they would both give the Miami dolphins a run for their money. Um, I think the caliber of talent from NFL to college is way different. But I, I, honestly, I don't, I don't think the Dolphins are going to do much this year. Um, before we get into breaking down the games, there is one thing that I want to point out with week two. Um, recency bias is still a kind of a thing. And one thing that you're going to notice of week one to week two, two, two ways you're going to see recency bias. You're going to see some of these plays that had really good week ones get ownership, and you're going to see some of these people that kind of dudded in week one people back off of. This is one of my favorite things about week 2 NFL is jumping on those guys that maybe had a down game, maybe just didn't show up, maybe you know the schemes were wrong. I think there's difference between that and also like, you know, some situations and we'll talk about it when we get to Detroit. That was honestly two running backs getting similar workloads and like that might be a situation that's different than like, you know, one of these guys having like a bounce back game, like a Nick Chubb or somebody having like bounce back game because he just didn't have a good week one. So I think recency bias is something that's very important. If you're a premium member, I think the discord is very important. Um, I was in there on this week one from like 10 PM until like 8 AM, 9 AM. So I was in there answering questions all night. I don't know if I'll be up that much uh, week two, but if you're a premium member, make sure you check out the Discord. That's very important. So let's jump into this slate and get started here. We got the Bucks in Carolina, 50 total here on Thursday Night Football. We had kind of a snoozer opening Thursday night with Green Bay and Chicago. I don't really expect that to be the same case here. What are your thoughts here when it comes to Tampa?
3: So I think this is the perfect game to talk about recency bias for both sides. right? We've got Jameis Winston coming off. The game where he had three picks, he had three sacks, and I think if you watch the game, there are genuine concerns about him continuing those uh, turnovers coming to this year. You know, but at the same time, we're looking at a one-game sample. We do know that um, you know Bruce Arians has the ability to uh, you know improve this team from a, a passing situation. So I think this is a prime example of you know is Jameis regressing or is that just something we just need to you know, wipe our minds clean of. Um, I think for me, the one takeaway from the Bucks side is that the running back situation really is the timeshare that we worried about. Peyton Barber still the starter by name, but Ronald Jones, um, Dare, uh, Uncle Bawali, and they both had about 33% um, of the snaps. So we're looking at really a, a three-headed timeshare here. So if I'm targeting this game, I'm probably going – after Chris Godwin, um, I'm going back to Mike Evans. You know, again, that's recency bias where he was sick last week. He only had five targets, but it seems like a really good um, bounce back spot. And you know, speaking of Jameis' concerns, I think we do have some O.J. Howard concerns. Uh, he fumbled in the red zone. We saw Cameron Braid get two touchdowns called back uh, because of penalties. So you know, it looks like maybe Howard uh, is someone we still view as having upside, but maybe Cameron Braid's is going to have a larger role than we expected here.
2: Yeah, um all that very true. Um I don't have anything really to add outside of that. Chris Godwin played a lot of snaps, had six targets, he out-snapped Evans. Um I think Chris Godwin's going to be a thing this year. But, you know, Perryman didn't play as much as I thought he was going to, and they really used that two tight end set more than I thought they were going to. So Cameron Brait, you know, he he's still really cheap across the industry, um especially on a showdown slate. I love taking shots on guys like that. So he, he scores a touchdown, you know, that's all you really need from him. So, um, don't hate that one. And then, you know, the other side of this game, Christian McCaffrey is your captain. Like, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to play Christian McCaffrey as the captain. We just absolutely saw this team get shredded um, on the ground. Not, not as much as we had thought we were going to when it came to Tampa in general. But I think that this is going to be a spot that we, we see Christian McCaffrey have a big game.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you basically put him in your captain's spot for the most part and just work around that. He had um, 100% snap share. He had double-digit carries, double-digit targets. So I think that's the obvious captain's spot if you can make it work. Uh, the Greg Olsen news is probably one way where you know he might be able to fit in McCaffrey. Uh, he's Olsen's questionable right now, so this could be a spot where Ian Thomas gets a spot start. He'd be a great uh, punt option if he gets uh, the chance to play. Um, and then you know, we, I think one takeaway from the Panthers in week one is that, you know, Kurt Samuel came in with the preseason hype, but he only had uh, four targets compared to DJ Moore's 10 targets. So I think this is just a reminder that DJ Moore is probably, you know, the the clear SP1 here and, and Samuel still continues to have upside, but maybe he's not, um, maybe we're a little bit too high on him coming into it uh, from preseason.
2: Yeah, and, like, Wright and Hogan both only had one target. Like, DJ Moore's the guy. Like, if Olsen's out, that bumps Christian McCaffrey. We, we saw it so much over the last two years with no Olsen, Christian McCaffrey gets an increase. If that's even possible. If that's even a thing. Um, so, Christian McCaffrey, um, definitely a, a solid play. If you're playing, I think the kickers on both sides of this game are interesting in showdown just because of their price. But um, let's move on to the main slate. A lot more information here on RotoGrinders grinders about Showdown. There's an expert survey. There's all kinds of stuff. So let's focus more on the main slate because I feel like that's what a lot of people are listening for anyway. Let's get started here with Seattle at Pittsburgh. 46.5 total here. Pittsburgh's favored by 4.5. Uh, they were definitely disappointing in week one. But let's start with that Seattle side of things. Um, Chris Carson was everything we hoped for and a little bit more, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, the – the nice thing was he saw seven targets. So I think the idea of, you know, having some PPR appeal here is, is real. You know, we saw a little bit in the preseason and it came true. So he outrushed Rashad Penny, 15 to six, you know, had seven targets. Uh, You know, my concern with the Seahawks is they continue to run, go run heavy. And that slows down the uh, number of plays that they uh, run. So they actually ran the second fewest plays in week one. Um, So that is a concern. If, 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 the Seahawks you know, come out to a lead. We'll probably see Carson continue to be the workhorse back. And you know, Russell Wilson only had 20 throws last week. Um, definitely a concern because it, it made Tyler Lockett that play that we're all looking to, to you know step up um, now that he's clear number one with Doug Baldwin retired. But Lockett only had two targets. He did catch a touchdown. He did play 91% of the snaps. But I think volume might be a concern here if the Seahawks continue to play slow.
2: I really like DK Metcalf. Um, he saw six targets. He saw more snaps than I thought he was going to. He looked healthy. Um, David Moore still not expected to play here. You know, he's still practicing limited. So, even if Moore plays, I don't think he really becomes a factor. So, I like Metcalf. We get a nice discount from Lockett to Metcalf. We get the the touchdown upside. And he just – he looked really good in that game. So, Um, I obviously was watching that game a lot for Chris Carson, but Metcalf really shocked me. I love the price on him. I like Chris Carson. I I go right back to the well on Chris Carson. Um, I think that PPR formats, and Russ is a little bit more interesting this week, just because I feel like this game is going to be a little bit more high scoring. Pittsburgh, going back home after a very disappointing week one, You know they were 10th in pace in week one. Um, Obviously, they were playing from behind, so that had a lot to do with it, but They threw the ball 78% of the time. That number come down a little bit. So, you know, switching over to the Pittsburgh side of things, I think it's an excellent bounce back spot for Juju. I'm not worried about the toe injury. I think he's going to be fine. Um, And even like Connor, I I don't like Connor as much in this spot just because like when we looked at it, Seattle only allowed 34 rushing yards in week one. They were really good against the run. 418 passing yards, but 34 rushing yards. Yeah, I think this does feel
3: like a good bounce back spot for uh, for Juju, uh, for Roethlisberger. We know he has notorious home road splits. This is a home game for him. Uh, so if we want to attack the recency bias, you know, I, I think people are going to see that the Steelers only put up three points against the Patriots last week. They saw Roethlisberger struggle on the road. So, you know, I, I do think that there is merit to a Juju-Roethlisberger stack. You can bring it back with you know, Tyler Lockett, if you think this is going to be a high-scoring game. And I think this game will be under-owned for the most part.
2: Yeah, there's a couple other passes. Like, you know, I think that Moncrief is another guy. He had 10 targets. They were playing from behind. They were throwing a ton. Um, I don't think he'll get 10 targets here, but he's 4K. Um, he's certainly somebody that we want to mention. McDonald didn't do as much, but we know that – tight ends in this in this Pittsburgh organization he's one of those guys that I hope kind of gets a little bit of recency bias on the wrong side of things that I can kind of you know take advantage of but I'm a lot high I'm, a, I'm high on this passing game because it looked like Seattle wanted to shut down the run and if they do that in this game I think the pass catchers are going to be you know much more options uh better options here and, and you know Ben at home so that's a thing um so Colts and Titans, 44 total here. Tennessee favored by three in this game. I think they're definitely one of the shocking teams from week one. They played a fantastic game against Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. Uh, let's start with the Colts side of things. Speaking of shocking, Mer- Marlon Mack did not take a step back with no Andrew Luck there.
3: Yeah, I mean, we talked about him on last week as a potential contrarian play because – you know, when the Colts get in, in with the lead, we know they're going to run, go run heavy. And you can say the same about the Titans on the other side. when they get the lead, they're going to go run heavy with Derek Henry. So this is a tough spot. You know, the Colts are uh, three point underdogs here. I do think Mac, um, I don't think Mac will be too popular. Even after the 25 carries um, last week, I think there are still concerns about a potential negative game script here, but you know, it doesn't seem like the Colts are, they don't care. Like even in a, even when they were down last week, they, Fed Mac the ball, um, so I, I really like the spot for him. I think he makes more sense again on uh, on sites like a FanDuel or a Yahoo, with the uh, touchdowns being so heavy. Um, I think uh, another thing to mention, you know, Devin Funch just went on the IR. Um, we'll probably see more Paris Campbell and Chester Rogers step in, but you know, again, this is a spot where Jacoby Brissett's going to have to feed T.Y. Hilton. they they're, they're losing wideouts. Um, Hilton had two touchdowns. Last week at nine targets, and he should see even more target share here with Funchess out.
2: Yeah, the only thing that kind of concerns me about this game is both these teams tried to play slow in week one, and I think that's going to be the case too. You said it. They both like to run the ball. Um, I love the T.Y. Hilton call. I, I like the Chester Rogers call. Um, little slot, crafty type wide receivers are always fun to play in DFS because they're potentially getting the PPR points. But if I'm playing Mac, I agree with you. FanDuel, um, Yahoo, is kind of where I'd end up more playing Mac. The other side of this game, the Tennessee Titans side, I hate Derrick Henry in general. I, I do not like playing him whatsoever. But after watching week one and watching this Colts defense, like how do you not have interest here in, in a Derrick Henry?
3: Yeah, I think he was like 1% owned on Yahoo last week. And you know, Yahoo's Yahoo, the duels, like those are the sites you want to play Derrick Henry because he's going to find the end zone, you know, two times and that's just gonna you know that's gonna boost your score so much so I, I love Derek Henry here I don't mind both running backs in this game um, I, I was high on Delaney Walker last week I'm still high on him here he found the end zone twice um, I think that's you know those are really my two targets here I know AJ Brown had three catches for 100 yards but if you look at his snap counts he only played on 43 percent of the snaps um, he's still behind Corey Davis and um, Taji Sharp. So I do have some concerns about chasing that AJ Brown game, but yeah, for the most part, it's really um, chasing Walker, uh, chasing Derrick Henry here for me.
2: Yeah, it, it's Walker and Henry. Like uh, Henry, would be my main target from this entire game. Um, I don't love a game stack here. I like Henry and Mac just for touchdowns, and, and like T.Y. Hilton. You know, I, I don't think I play either quarterback here um, unless it's just kind of one of those like weird lineup builds where. I'm up way too late and I'm building way too many lineups. So Arizona at Baltimore, 47 total Baltimore's favorite by 13. This has been one of those games that kind of open low and the total has just continued to go up. Um, so looking at the Arizona side, I think people are going to get kind of scared off in this game because of that Baltimore defense, Jimmy Smith, not expected to play. That's a little bit of a bump here, but one good thing that we saw from Arizona was we can kind of project where the production's going to go. So I, I like this spot for Arizona. They'll
3: definitely be contrarian. I think, you know, when I first saw, when I first saw the line, I didn't expect Arizona to be 13 point road underdogs. Um, And I think it speaks to the fact that we still don't know who Kyler Murray is. And we saw three quarters of him beating, being mediocre. And then he came alive in the fourth quarter, and I think that sort of changed our perceptions of him a little bit. You know, if you look at the final stat line for Murray, it, it, was, it was pretty solid for, for his debut. Um, but the appeal here, I think, with the Cardinals is they ran 82 plays, and they only averaged 56 plays last season. So they are really uh, increasing the speed here. And I know that the 82 plays was aided by overtime, but still, it's a huge boost under um, Cliff Kingsbury. So um, I think for me, I... I see a bunch of elite tournament plays, um, you know, Kyler Murray, um, David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald. I think what you mentioned, like, we know where the production is going to come from. Um, we saw Fitzgerald uh, lead the team with 13 targets. He's going downfield. I think he had a pair of 40-yard catches for the first time since 2015. So they're using him in different ways. They're using David Johnson in different ways um, than they utilized him last year. Um, giving him, you know, 18 carries, seven targets last week. So the upside for, for, that, for that trio is is really high, I think, in, in tournaments. And you can even throw in Christian Kirk uh, as an option here. I, I do a little, worry a little bit. Um, Michael Crabtree is expected to make his debut here. But I don't think that should take away too much from the, the trio you know, of Johnson, Fitzgerald, and Kirk too much.
2: So I think you can play Fitz and Cash on DraftKings at 4,600, knowing that the targets are going to be there. I don't care if they're playing from behind. That helps. Um, It hurts DJ a little bit, but it doesn't hurt my exposure to Fitz and Kirk. Um, I'm not – if I'm worried about anybody, you know, losing time here, it's probably Keyshawn Johnson with Crabtree. I'm not worried about Kirk and Fitz and their pricing. Um, It's one of my favorite game stacks on the slate. Like, I think this is a very interesting game stack. As fast as Arizona's playing, um, they're going to play that fast again. I don't really see them slowing it down. I think they'll slow it down a little bit. But if they're trailing here, who's to say they don't play just as fast? And and we expect Baltimore, you know, they're they're a 13-point favorite here. So looking at the Baltimore side of things, like like I can play Lamar Jackson here, pair it with like a Mark Andrews, which I don't think was kind of a fluke, and and then run it back with Fitzgerald and Kirk and have a nice four-man, you know, game stack here. And I think there's a lot of production in that game stack.
3: Yeah, there's definitely multiple ways you can go with the Ravens side. I think the – Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews pairing works. The Mark Jackson, uh, the Lamar Jackson, uh, Marquise Brown pairing also works. Uh, I mean, we saw Brown go off on 14 snaps, and we don't know if his snaps are going to increase this week. But if it does, you know, I mean, that's even that's even better against this defense. You know, without um, uh, you know without Patrick Peterson anymore. So, I I do like um, I I think I'm struggling with the recency bias of Lamar Jackson. You know, we have one game where now he's getting MVP chatter already. And I'm trying to understand, you know, is that warranted or is that really just a reflection of, you know, the Ravens just beat up on a poor Dolphins defense. Um, so that's where I'm struggling. Um, I, I think I think Jackson, obviously he's an elite tournament play. I think where I'm struggling is, do, do we even want to consider Jackson in cash games? Um, and I think for me right now, I'm leaning more towards the Mark Ingram side. You know, we should see positive game script for him here. He had two touchdowns last week. Um, We did see Gus Edwards get a lot of carries, but most of it was in the second half when the game was out of hand and it was garbage time. So I think if this game stays close, I think it's going to be a Mark Ingram game for the most part.
2: Yeah, like Ingram had 14 carries and five of those were red zone attempts. Um, So like the Gus Edwards thing doesn't worry me whatsoever. I think that had a lot of the product to do with why are we running Ingram out there? um you know he's been kind of dealing with a little bit of a shoulder thing through camp too so like why are we going out there and getting this guy hurt um at all so i, I think ingram is fine ingram's another one of those guys that i prefer on like a fan duel i, I think they we could see him get some catches throughout the year but he's going to be uh you know an the, in between in between the lines type runner um where not not like um you know heavy catches and stuff like that so um, New England at Miami, forty-eight total here. New England's favored by eighteen and a half. Um, it's very rare that you see a team at home eighteen and a half point dogs, but um, probably not enough. Um, when it comes to New England here, obviously we're waiting to see like if Antonio Brown's going to play or not. That's like huge news on how we're approaching this offense just in general. Um, give me your thoughts here with Brown, without Brown. What are we doing with the Patriots?
3: So I think with. With Brown, that really downgrades Philip Dorsett. You know, Dorsett had two touchdowns and was a, was in a starting role last week. Um, so I think he would be pushed out by Brown. Um, it would also be a downgrade to Josh Gordon, obviously, um, who only had four targets last week. But you would think that um, his snaps should continue to increase as he gets back into shape. Um, I think Julian Edelman is safe regardless. You know, we should see the volume. Um, regardless, he's got the best matchup in the slot. Um, the, you know, I think again, recency bias is we're going to want pieces of this Patriots team because we saw um, the thinking is that we saw the Ravens smash the Dolphins for 59 points. So the Patriots are going to, you know, who knows what they're going to do here. And I think there is some merit to that, right? The, the Patriots aren't the type of team that are going to slow down. they I think they are the type of team that want to exert their dominance on you and show that they can score at will. So, um I, I think Brady I think Brady and Cash is, is even in play. Um I think Brady, Lamar Jackson, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes are probably my top three quarterbacks to consider. Um where I actually, you know, I prefer to get pieces of the running game. And again, it's tricky to find out, you know, is it gonna come from Sonny Michelle? Is it gonna come from Rex Burkhead? Um we saw both of them get you know a decent amount of carries last week. And again, I think both are firmly in play on sites like FanDuel and Yahoo um, with the touchdowns. So heavily weighted.
2: Yeah, and like James White, he's a guy that I always like, but it's more in closer games that I like White. Um Burkhead, that was shock for me. I didn't expect him to get that much work, but you know, he's kind of a, a tournament flyer. Um, but you know, you're gonna need him to score and get catches in the process. So I'm kinda on the fence what I want to do with the Patriots here, which is weird when you're looking at a team that has, you know, an implied total of thirty-three, you know, you want exposure to that offense the Patriots are just one of the toughest offenses to figure out. So like mix, mixing and matching, Sonny Michelle could easily be the guy here. We just watched Baltimore run all over this team and Sonny Michelle, you know, he did, he wasn't, don't look at his snap count. It, it's never a thing. Like, don't look at Sonny Michelle's snap count. He played what 20, I think 22 snaps and he ran the ball 15 of those snaps. He's going to get his touches even on a smaller snap count. They keep him, you know, fresh. So Sonny Michelle is probably my favorite play from the Patriots. Edelman's right there. If Antonio Brown plays, he's only 7K. You're getting Antonio Brown for 7K. We know that Tom Brady is all about this, you know, mentality of showing people up. So if if there's – if Brown plays, Brown will score a touchdown. Uh, I'm calling that right now. Like, Brady will make it happen. Um, As far as Miami goes, you know, first look when I was doing my initial research, I had a little bit of interest in Fitzpatrick just because um, of them trailing. But then like the, the thought of maybe are they going to put Rosson in there again? So my thought process is get exposure to Devante Parker and the tight end and, and, and attack it that way um, is kind of what I'm thinking here.
3: That's exactly my thought. I mean, I, <laughs> I, mean, I posted on, on Twitter. I had, a, I had a, a dolphin stack last week, and that was just like the worst idea ever. But, um, you know, you, you don't know what they're going to do at like quarterback. They, they could easily pull Fitzpatrick here. Um, the running game – you know, like they're just a mess on the running side, um, and the Patriots don't allow rushing touchdowns. So I'm kind of with you here. We were expecting a negative game script. I think Devontae Parker makes the most sense, especially with Albert Wilson ailing. I um, I think we'll want to keep an eye on him because if, if he's um, you know questionable or doubtful, then Devontae Parker should see even more market share here.
2: If 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 Williams doesn't end up playing, or not Williams, if if um, Wilson doesn't end up playing, I like Preston Wilson or Williams, Preston Wilson. Oh. Williams would be like one of those tournament flyers for me. He's really cheap across the industry. We, we saw him, he's, he's the darling from camp and you know, we have already seen him be an impactful player um, to start the season for this offense. So he would be a guy, but don't sleep on the tight end. I can never pronounce his name, but he had six targets in the first week. Um, Gasecki is, Mm -hmm. I think is how you say it. He's 2,700. He's really cheap and a six target tight end share um, is always is always phenomenal. So that's fine with me.
3: Yeah, I think um, these are all deep GPP plays where you're really just banking on oh, a touchdown. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah they're going to score. Like and like, f- for some reason the Dolphins always play the Patriots well, but like it's not the same Dolphins team. This team's terrible. Chargers and Lions, forty-seven total here. Chargers favored by two and a half in this game. It's a game that I really like. I think that there's a lot of good pieces from this game. You know, especially if we're looking from last week, there's a lot of different ways to attack this game. Let's start with the Chargers side of things. Um, you know, Detroit allowed 203 rushing yards in week one, and Eckler looked phenomenal and played a lot more snaps than I think anybody could have projected for them.
3: Yeah, you know, we were being told going into week one that it would be a 50-50 split with Eckler getting, passing down work, and then it ended up being a 75-25 split in uh, in Eckler's favor. Uh, so Eckler outrushed Jackson 12-6. to um Eckler was out targeted um, seven to three. So the workload is clearly in Eckler's favor, and um, I think maybe we were just given the coach speak. Um, but yeah, I mean, the chargers are running into a bunch of injuries now. Hunter Henry's out four to six weeks, which is a huge blow. Um, I think we'll see uh, Virgil Green step in, but you know there's obviously talks about bringing in another veteran, maybe you know, Antonio Gates again. Um, and then even Mike Williams is his status is unknown as of Wednesday night. Uh, he's hurt. Um, they signed um, Anthony Johnson to the practice uh, squad, and Artavis Scott is also injured on the practice squad. So this could be a huge Keenan Allen game. I mean, they really don't have anyone else. And we could see, and we've seen them have huge, you like, know, fifteen, twenty target games in the past. If if we see Mike Williams out, I think you know the Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler stack is firmly in play here.
2: Yeah. Love Keenan Allen. Um, If we get news that Williams is out, I think it is, you know, definitely worth looking at like tournament flyers, large GPP flyers, Benjamin Inman, Um, you know, Rivers has a rapport with both those guys. They'll play. Uh, Both of those guys will see the field. If Williams doesn't play, if Williams plays, I really like him. He's a big red zone target. No Hunter Henry, Henry Henry had um, five or six targets. So it's not like he wasn't getting the type of production. Don't really know what to expect from Green. He's cheap everywhere. Um, I love cheap tight ends, you know. So I'm not having an issue playing Green. But Eckler's the stud here for me. Eckler, Allen, and then um, you know, looking at the Detroit side of thing, I, I talked about it at the beginning. Like I'm super concerned about C.J. Anderson taking work from Johnson. This is an amazing spot. On paper, this is we just saw Marlon Mack destroy this team, and this team just allowed a ton of rushing yards. So like the upside here is, is certainly there. It's just trying to project, project where the production's going to come from. We want it to be Johnson. We do, but it's tough.
3: Yeah, I think we, I mean, I'm kind of off the run game here for the lions. Uh, we didn't see Johnson become that every down back that we thought he might have become, you know, the introduction of CJ Anderson really put a wrinkle in things. Um, last week, Johnson out snap CJ Anderson, only 50 to 26. So there's, you know, a real concern here that Johnson's going to have his workload kind of monitored here and Anderson's going to see more than we expected. Um, And then even the passing game, you know, I was expecting a big, big role from Marvin Jones. He only had a 10% target share last week. Uh, We saw Danny Amendola really step up. Um, TJ Hawkinson got massive, you know, massive targets. and they still have, you know, Kenny Galladay. Uh, So I think the concentration of of targets is actually more spread out than I expected here.
2: Yeah. And like one thing going into this week, like this is a Marvin Jones game for me because Kenny Galladay is probably going to get shadowed by Casey Hayward. Um, Hayward, they, they use him to shadow a lot. He's a very good corner. Desmond King is their slot corner. He's very good, which kind of hurts Danny Amendola. Danny Amendola is a guy that I'll play this year. I'm super excited about the 13 targets, but this is a spot that I'll probably let the field play him instead um, because I think the Desmond King matchup is really tough. Marvin Jones and Hawkerson are the guys that I want to play here. Um, you know, you have to you have to think that this is going to be a spot Marvin Jones bounces back. He's cheap. Um, everybody play Amendola, and I'll play Marvin Jones. It's that recency week two bias thing that I was talking about. And Hawkinson, he's going to be popular. He should be. Nine targets. He looked awesome. Like, his highlight reel from that game was incredible. Um, I'm not buying into the, he's the next Gronk type of thing, but he's 3K and he had nine targets in week one. Um, and I don't think it was crazy or, or or think it's crazy going in that that could easily happen again because his size is just – is going to be really good. And it's a really tough matchup for Kenny Galladay
3: yeah tight end is loaded this week, especially at the low end um, you know we 've got Kelsey as the clear number one, but you know we 've got hawkinson we 've got darren um, Darren waller which we 'll talk about um, you know we, uh, there there 's options at the low end you know Delaney Walker as well, so I think one of your first roster decisions at least roster construction questions you have to ask yourself for cash games is. Do you want to spend up a tight end or do you want to uh, you know, punt there? But there's just so many options, and Hawkinson's definitely one of them to uh, consider.
2: I will say, like, my, my placeholder first build type lineup had Hawkinson in cash because he's just that that discount for the targets um, in a game that is expected to stay close with a 47 total indoors. Like, it, it just all lines up for this game to be a really solid game. Like, this would be a game that I think I'd be betting the over on. I think it's going to be a good production game. Cowboys and Redskins, uh, 46 total here. Dallas favored by four and a half in this one. I think we can both say that we were kind of shocked, you know, on both sides of this game. You know, Dallas came out and Dak did his thing. Like, I had zero Dak. I'll say that. I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong. I should have played more Dak knowing that Elliott was going to kind of be a little bit limited. Um, I should have played more of him. That doesn't mean – I did. Uh, We saw Elliott only get 13 targets. Um, He's expected to get more touches in this game. But I think this is another game that we could potentially look for Dak in this passing game to do its thing again because, you know, I expected to get more targets never fits well into my stomach. And, you know, this Washington team allowed 300 passing yards. They allowed 120 yards rushing. Like, I think this is a spot we go back to the well on Dak.
3: I agree with this. Uh, I think Kellen Moore, the introduction of Kellen Moore as their new offensive coordinator, has really opened up things. You know, maybe something has clicked for Dak, and I, you know, this is obviously a good matchup on paper. So the Dak Amari Cooper or even Dak Michael Gallup stacks are are something I'm really interested in for tournaments. Um, I am still kind of hesitant on Zeke. Uh, I know that the top end running back position is is a little bit thin on the main slate, but we saw Zeke and Tony Pollard have 13 carries each last week, and it sounds like uh, Pollard's still going to have, you know, a decent role this week. Um, so for me, I'm really going to be attacking the, the passing game, and yeah, I think I think the Dak-Cooper stacks are, are going to be strong options in tournaments if, you know, Kellen Moore's really just giving free reign to Dak to, you know, take that next step.
2: Yeah, Cooper, Gallup, and Cobb, all those guys are very interesting targets here. Um, you know, as far as matchup standpoints like it's not the you know obviously Josh Norman's there but like the best matchup for this team is the slot like more Moreland is not the best slot corner Uh, we've attacked him bunches in the past and I think that Cobb is a guy that can definitely take advantage of that so um you know that's the matchup I think you want to attack but you know obviously Gallup with Norman doesn't shadow so like you know you play all three of these guys you can play two of the three and hope that Dak goes off again and make a little stack here washington like adrian peterson's gonna be a thing again geist is not expected to play thompson had a ton of targets if we're expecting washington to be down again in this game we can look at thompson we can look at mick lauren who on the wood show shout out to eric crane he called it like he he I was on Richardson and he got it right. I got it wrong. Um, and Richardson still had seven targets, but, and like even Quinn didn't really come off the field either. Like we kind of know where the production is going to go here. And it really depends on what happens with Jordan Reed too. Cause he still hasn't passed concussion protocol.
3: Yeah. Reed's still questionable. You know, Vern Davis did have a touchdown last week. I he's again, you know, Davis is one of those punt tight ends might be unnecessary on the slate, but, you know, to your point, Trey Quinn, ninety-seven percent of snaps played. Um, Terry McLaurin, ninety-three percent of snaps played. You know, I wasn't on McLaurin last week, but he put up one hundred twenty-five yards on five catches and a touchdown. Uh, case Keenum was surprising. I I didn't expect three touchdowns from him, um, but I'm not going to chase it. But I, I think McLaurin is interesting. He's only you know thirty-eight hundred on DraftKings. Um, you could make the case that he's cash viable there. Um, and when you are playing the Cowboys stack, you know, you can always bring it back with McLaurin and knowing that you know probably a negative game script for the Redskins.
2: Yeah, I think Trey Quinn would probably be my favorite here. Um, just because I think McLaurin to get some love and I you know looking at snap counts and, and stuff, I think Quinn has just as much opportunity as these other guys. I think Thompson has a lot of opportunity. But this is one of those games that like I could play three pieces from Dallas and run it back with one or two from Washington hoping that I get that, like, kind of game script that really feeds into this um, type of stack. So 46 total, nothing to overlook here. Um, got to give Case Greenham some credit. He played really well. So. Yeah, Jackson, should, like, oh, yeah. go ahead.
3: No, I was going to mention, you mentioned Adrian Peterson. Um, you know, He's going to be the starter, like you said. I have zero interest. I mean, we saw last year that in negative game scripts, he just gets phased out immediately, and you know, they go straight to Chris Thompson. So even though he's got the starting role, I, I'm just not on him.
2: If you want to play Adrian Peterson, play him on a Yahoo or Fandle. Don't play him on PPR sites. But, you know, you're going to need him to get two touchdowns because he doesn't typically get a ton of workload. Thompson's the play on DK and Fantasy Draft. He's 3,900 um, coming off a game where he had 10 targets. Chris Thompson's a really good pass-catching back. Like, this is what he is what we love about him. It just wasn't used a lot last year. So, hopefully, that maybe this is some positive signs for him. Jacksonville at Houston, forty-three total here. Houston favored by eight and a half. You know, I hate to see it for Foles. He threw that he threw that dime. What a pass! Um, I hate to see it get injured on that. But um, you know, now we're in the Gardner Minshew um, with Dobbs as the backup. Like it's just an ugly situation in Jacksonville as far as the quarterbacks go. But this Minshew's not a bad player. Like we we saw him in, in college do really w- really well. He's not Nick Foles, but I don't, think it's a, I don't think it's a Blake Bortles situation.
3: Yeah, you know, like, I'm not a huge college football guy, so I don't know how many of the listeners, you know, follow follow college football. But, you know, all I see on Twitter are the memes of him, you know, like with his mustache and all like, these jokes about him. So when I started digging into his actual background in college, you know, I was actually pretty impressed. You know, fifth in Heisman voting during his yeah. senior year. He had 38 touchdowns for Washington State. Um, so, the, yeah, he's not like a scrub. He's a six-round pick, but, again, he's not – some guy just off the street um, and he did go you know, 22 of 25 for two touchdowns last week. So um, maybe you're right. You know, I think my initial reaction was that the Jaguars, you know, it's just to write him off and that this is going to be a huge downgrade, but the bottom line is we don't know, right? We don't know about who this guy is and what he's going to be at, at the uh, NFL level. So I think for now, at least I'm going to take a lighter approach on Leonard Fournette. I'm going to just downgrade him just a little bit, but we saw Minshew really kind of hone in on Chris Conley, um, D.J. Chark a little bit. Uh, even Didi Westbrook caught his touchdown from, from Minshew. Um, so, you know, I, I think the, the passing game is still a little bit interesting. And, yeah, the bottom line is we just don't know with this guy.
2: I don't want to overreact in this game. This is one of those games that, you know, I feel like you can easily overreact to, um, you know, Conley having a good game. Minshew did not work with the first team last week. Let's be real. He probably hasn't worked with the first team a lot. So, like, Shark and Conley has probably worked with Minshew a little bit, where Didi probably hasn't. Now we're going to get a whole week of practice. We're going to see a different game scheme, different plans. You know, we're not a Nick Foles team now. We're Gardner Minshew. Like, you talked about This dude did 38 touchdowns for Washington State last year. He's not no slouch. Like, he kind of flew under the radar. He's a six-round quarterback, but okay. Like, I'm not – I'm not too concerned here. Houston defense is solid. Uh, I don't want to say that this is an easy matchup, but I, I like DD again. Um, I'll have some exposure to Conley and shark. I'm not touching the t- tight end situation, maybe a little bit of Fournette, but you know, we know what Houston does. They're really good against the run. Um, they allowed 148 rushing yards last week. I will say that they, they didn't do well as I thought they were going to do. But the other thing here, Alan, both these teams play slow. Um, so, What do we like here on Houston?
3: So Houston, you know, they're expect They're they're eight-and-a-half-point favorites here. And we saw last year when the Texans were um, up, they really took their foot off the passing game. And we saw Deshaun Watson really limit his um, passing attempts. And that's my biggest concern here is if the Texans do operate with a a positive game script, they'll probably go run heavy here. Um, We saw last week they had about a 60-40 split. Um, In favor of Duke Johnson, but Carlos Hyde had a bigger role than I expected. You know, um, we could see more Carlos Hyde here kind of just pounding the ball um, if the Texans operate with the lead. Um, Last year, Deshaun Watson averaged five fewer DraftKings points when um, the games um, were um, decided by more than three points. And so I'm a little bit concerned here on on the passing side. You know, I'm not going to call Watson or... Um, you know Hopkins bad options but I, I think I'm a little bit hesitant here and more likely to just be underweight on the Texans
2: yeah like if I'm playing some Jags um, you know stacks hoping for them just to be really low owned I think you run it back with Hopkins you run it back with Fuller um, obviously got to see what the the situation is with Kiki Cote, but he's trending in the right direction it sounds like um, he practiced full Wednesday so That kind of takes Kenny Stills out of the mix. Uh, Don't make that mistake of playing Stills. I don't think uh, Stills will be the fourth guy behind these guys. So, you know, so I think that as long as Hopkins plays and Hopkins could get – or Hopkins could have lower ownership here just because he's facing Jalen Ramsey, uh, I think it's a good, you know, spot to attack. He's going to get his. um, 13 targets in week one. If this game stays close, like what you're hoping for, like then you're you're really getting that upside from this Washington or the the Houston offense. So, um, kind of a sneaky game. I, I kind of like this game, but the the pace of both these teams from Week One kind of scare me a little bit from going all in on a game stack here. So. Uh, 49ers and the Bengals, 45 total since he's favored by two in this game. This is a recency bias game uh, at, at, at the max here. Um, obviously the biggest injury from this San Francisco side is Coleman. Um, but I also think that the second biggest issue, like information is Pettis playing two snaps.
3: Yeah, I didn't expect that. And we all thought that, um, the coaching staff was just kind of trying to motivate Dante Pettis and then he only saw two snaps and I haven't seen an explanation for it but we saw Debo Samuel and Marquis Goodwin lead the team in snaps um so I, I am concerned about Dante Pettis's you know long-term outlook because it wasn't just coach speak um like it was it was real so um you know my, my biggest question is is the 49ers defense good or was the Bucks offense just unlucky or bad last week and again, that goes back to your point of recency bias. And I, I think right now, you know, I, I kind of have a little bit of interest in the 49ers' defense, but it could just be from what I saw last week when you know they were picking off Jameis Winston. Um, you know, the big news is Tevin Coleman's um, being out. You know, Matt Breida. I think he's on the fringe of being a cash game option. I think we have to see what happens with um, Jeff Wilson if he gets promoted to uh, from the practice squad because then they they'll have Brita they'll have Mohamed Rostert then they potentially have you know Jeff Wilson filling in that third role um but we did see Brita crack the 100 yard mark three times last year you know he's an appealing punt if um, we can get some assurance that he's going to have maybe you know a 70-30 split with um, Mostert here
2: yeah like obviously anytime you talk to the 49ers like Kittle should be the first guy we should be talking about um he had two touchdowns called back he at 10 targets, he, he's just a top-end tight end play. He's a Kelsey-type play. You know, you're paying up for the production at tight end from these guys. And, you know, it, it didn't seem like Jimmy G and Kittle missed a step. Like, they had great chemistry out there. Um, so, not concerned whatsoever when it comes to Kittle. Um, I am, like, Pettis, they did – They come. Shanahan did come out and say, that he think it was a health thing. Uh, he got cleared to come back on Monday. And hopefully he'll work in some more playing time. But he's not guaranteeing anything. So – um, you know, Goodwin and Debo are both interesting tournament flyers. So is Mozart. Um, all those guys are tournament flyers for me in the Cincinnati game. And then on the other side, like, you know, this is another spot we're watching. Is mixing going to play? He's still dealing with an ankle injury. I think he's probably more on the doubtful side than the probable side of things from everything I've been reading. He didn't even practice Wednesday in the limited and if he's out, like, here's one of your cash running backs, Geo, Body Bernard. Um, you know, we, we know this story, and we know what to do.
3: Yeah, we saw his usage just skyrocket last season with Mixon out. He became in a three-down back. And um, how how would you rank – let's say Mixon is out. How would you rank Geo Bernard or Matt Breida? Would you have Bernard over Breida?
2: I would have Bernard over Breida.
3: Okay. I think I would agree with that as well. Um, especially if, you know, Jeff Wilson gets activated and, you know, Brita has more competition, but um, yeah, I, I think that this is, you know, one of the spots we're looking at um, for news. Uh, John Ross, you know, had two touchdowns. I'm, I'm still a little skeptical that this is all of a sudden real, you know, we just, it's just a one game sample and that, you know, it could be recency bias, but I don't know if I want to buy into it. You know, Tyler Boyd, Boyd and Ross did see dou- each double digit targets. So they're going to be the focal points of this offense as we expected. Um, But, yeah, I think for Ross, I'm a little bit – I'm still a little unsure whether or not it's real.
2: They're two-point home favorites. Um, And I think that they might be a team that – I think people will play Ross again, but I don't know how much they'll play Ross. I think a lot of people go back to Boyd. I like Ross. I like Boyd. Um, I like what I saw from Eifert. We got exactly what we were hoping for from Eifert. They brought in these schemes where Eifert didn't have to block, and, you know, he played passing snaps and had six targets. Eifert's a touchdown beast. Like, he's a guy that will score touchdowns. So, Eifert's a really interesting, like, FanDuel play. I don't think he has the volume as some of these other tight ends for, like, a full-point PPR, but he's a guy that I always have touchdown equity in when I'm building my lineup. So, I like Boyd. I like Ross. I like Eifert. And if Mixon doesn't play, I definitely like Geo. I don't know if I I stacked this game with Dalton, but if I'm playing all those pieces, I certainly would potentially look at a stack. Dalton looked good. Like, you know, for what we want to say, and we don't really know what to expect from that Seattle defense, but he threw for 418 yards against Seattle in Seattle. This game's in Cincy. Um, Back at home, like, we got to respect that a little bit.
3: Yeah, this game is definitely a little sneakier than maybe I I gave it credit for. Um, I do like pieces of it, and yeah, maybe this game shoots out more than we expect.
2: Yeah, there's a bunch of different ways to play this game, too, which is why I like it. So, you know, it's always fun when you when you get that kind of stuff. But Buffalo at New York taking on the Giants. Buffalo is a two-point favorite here. You know, when we look back to last week, we, we obviously know that the Giants are a team that <laughs> – um, they could not stop the pass whatsoever uh, in week one. They allowed 405 passing yards. Josh Allen's interesting here because – like, there's so many pieces you could play Josh Allen with that make sense. And, like, when you're stacking games or stacking teams, you want options to make the stack work. Allen, there's so many ways. You have Allen, you have Singatary, you have John Brown. Cole Beasley became a thing. Like, there's so many different ways to stack this Buffalo team.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I played a lot of Josh Allen last week. I, I was probably way overweight on the field. You got there. Yeah. He, he did get there you know he I think the stat line wasn't well stat line wasn't good right he had like two interceptions um but he had a passing touchdown he had a rushing touchdown that's exactly what we're expecting you know we they've got Frank Gore as their lead back and so I think Josh Allen almost acts as you know that third back that they have on the roster um, alongside Gore and Singletary um but yeah you know I'm going to keep using Josh Allen in tournaments every week I mean that's sort of the rule that I set for myself after the end of last season, you know, we saw him just have so much upside and now the introduction of Cole Beasley to move the chains. He's got the introduction of John Brown to stretch the field and we saw Brown just you know, explode last week. And so now you've got a legitimate stacking partner um, with Josh Allen and John Brown. And so I will be, uh, I will keep going to that stack and I will also keep playing Josh Allen, you know, um, on his own if needed.
2: Singletary is one of of those guys that I watched the ownership this week. Does it rise? Does it drop? Does it stay the same? I really like him at 4,200. You know, not just – he didn't really get a lot in the rushing game, but I feel like that was game script more. But the the six targets, I think, are are very appealing uh, because he is a guy that I think can – I don't want to look at the fantasy number because the 70 yards rushing, he broke a big one, you know, 23-yard run. Um, I'm looking more at the catches. He's a full-point PPR cheap running back that I'm looking at to pair with Allen because, you know, catch a a touchdown, and uh, I get double points there. As far as the Giants go, Ingram, like, he did exactly what we were hoping for, and he only got a $400 increase after getting 14 targets in week one.
3: Yeah, and we also got news uh, on Wednesday that Sterling Shepard's uh, dealing with concussion. He didn't practice on Wednesday, so that right. could be another potential option uh, where Ingram sees even more targets. Um, I, I am a little bit torn here on on the Giants because I actually do respect this Bills defense a lot. Um, you know, we saw that they were second in past DVOA last year, but only 14th in run DVOA. So, uh, you know, maybe I'm a little bit leaning more towards the Saquon. Um, side over Ingram and you know with tight end being so loaded um, I I do think Ingram is is viable in GPPs but I I think I'm leaning more towards Saquon in this spot
2: Shepard will obviously make a huge um, dent here Uh, Latimer would be interesting Benny Fowler played you know 42 of the 48 passing snaps they're both really cheap Um, so like they become options if we get news that Shepard's not going to play but Ingram and Barkley are your two plays here, you know, type core type plays. Um, I will say I, I like Camara more than I like Barkley at the top. Um, Kamara is probably the guy that I play in cash, but I'll have plenty of exposure to Barkley and these pass catchers. If, if we get news that, you know, if we're expecting the Buffalo Bills to score points, which we are, then Giants are going to be down in this game. And, you know, that, that always sets up good for Buffalo defense and – you know Eli throwing the ball, so <laughs> you never know what you're going to get.
3: That's actually a good point. Yeah, B- B- uh, Buffalo Bills defense in play,
2: very much in play because yeah. <laughs> Eli down, they're chucking the ball around the field. That's always fun. Uh, Minnesota at Green Bay, forty-five total here. Um, let's start with the Minnesota side. Dalvin Cook did Dalvin Cook things. He looked a hundred percent healthy, but this Green Bay defense. One week sample size, they looked really, really good. They did, and
3: we also saw the Vikings go extremely run heavy. You know, this is a you know, road game. I, my initial, my initial cash bill did have Dalvin Cook in it, um, and then I started digging into the, you know, the Packers defense, and now I'm not sure what to do. Um, the, we saw just a weird game plan from the Vikings last week, and where they only had ten passes, and I know that it was a positive game script but they only ran 49 total plays and that was tied for the Seahawks for the second fewest plays in week one. And you know, we knew going in, they were just going to pound the ball and we saw that with Dalvin cook, but yeah, this is going to be a tough spot. You know, it's on the road um, in Lambeau. So right now, you know, I, I'm on the fence with cook. I, I think, I think he is still cash viable. You know, we know that the workload is going to be there as an every down back. And you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit scared about, you know, what, the run-heavy approach means for Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs because they only combined for five targets last week. And again, this is, could be a spot where I'm just dealing with my own recency bias. And maybe these are you know elite plays in tournaments um, where you know Vegas does expect the Vikings to you know, score 21 points. So some touchdowns should be should be had here.
2: Yeah, and I like Green Bay at home like anytime. So if I'm liking Green Bay at home, and I know they're they're probably going to score some points here against this good Minnesota defense. Then, like, I, I want exposure to Thielen. I want exposure to Digs. I like Cook for tournaments. I think there's better cash game plays this week than Dalvin Cook. I'm not saying he's a bad play. Uh, he's going to get the workload. Um, you mentioned it. Like, they ran the ball a ton. You know, seventy-seven point six percent, which was you know fourteen point six percent higher than the next highest team in Baltimore. So, um, or Green Bay. Green Bay was the second highest team in in rushing in Week One. So. Maybe we see a different type of game here. Um, There's two different ways this game could go. It could go really slow with not a lot of plays, and that goes way under that 45 total. Or we see both these offenses – we see Green Bay offense bounce back. They look terrible. Um, The defense looked great. The offense struggled. Um, I am a little concerned just in general about, you know, Aaron Jones and this whole running back by committee type thing. I'm going to be off of him in this spot against Minnesota. I think it's a tough matchup anyway. But – Adams, Scantling, Allison was something I was wrong about. I, you know, I'm never afraid to admit when I was wrong. I was – you know, he, he scored zero fantasy points. So, um, Scantling's the guy that I came into the season really high on. I think they focused Devontae Adams here, and I think this is a spot that Adams and Scantling could have good games.
3: Yeah, I think Adams – you know, he might see Xavier Rhodes' coverage, and if you look at his game logs from last year, um, Adams did have touchdowns in each of the two matchups um, that the Packers played uh, – Minnesota last season but in both games he was also held to under 70 receiving yards so you know you're probably banking on maybe you know a a touchdown here but uh the receiving yards might be kind of held in check um in Rhodes coverage um I'm with you I'm completely off the running game here we saw Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams have a 60-40 split which I, I didn't expect but again I think it's one of those things where the fantasy community wants one thing and the coaching staff wants another and I think we just have to realize that maybe the Packers are just going to ride the hot hand and we're not going to get, you know, that 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 full-time, you know, that full uh, workload um, for one of these backs.
2: Without injury, I agree with yeah. you. Um, yeah. Moving on, Kansas City at Oakland. Uh, obviously, this is going to be a game that's targeted quite a bit. It's the second-highest total on the main slate. We got um, the, the Kansas City side of things. It doesn't sound like Tyree Kill is going to play. Um, it, it sounds like he's going to be out – for what four to six weeks I think is the last report mm-hmm. that we saw so this could be a, a spot that you know Sammy Watkins gets high ownership or people don't go back to the well because of such an increase in price what's your thoughts here on Kansas City
3: yeah I think they price Watkins well I think he's priced job. You know, yeah yeah
2: well, I us say that good job yeah
3: yeah, um, and I think that's good news. I still think he's going to be popular in in all formats, especially cash, where we know that the targets are going to have to funnel to him, as well as Travis Kelsey. Um, and I do expect that the Chiefs to be probably one of the most popular stacks as they should be. Um, and you know, comparing the Chiefs to a team like the Patriots, where I think the Patriots have the highest implied team total on the slate, but you know, we talked about we don't know where the points are going to go. Whereas the Chiefs, we know. We know where they're going to go. They're going to go to Watkins. They're going to go to to Kelsey, and um, you know I think McCole Hartman is also uh, getting a lot of buzz. And I, I, he saw all the snaps. You know when when uh, Hill came out last week, uh, we do have to keep in mind uh, the Chiefs brought back DeAnthony Thomas, and I saw a quote that McCole uh, Hartman and DeAnthony Thomas are expected to fill in for Hill. And I don't really know what that means yet. But I think Hardman is a, a good GPP play. I'm just a little bit worried that maybe De'Anthony Thomas plays a bigger role than we expect. But um, you know, going back to Travis Kelsey, you know, this is like a smash spot for him. Um, he destroyed the Raiders last week uh, last year in Week 13. He had a 12 catch, 168 yard, two touchdown line against them. You know, the Raiders aren't going to have any answer for him. So this is a spot where you know I. I'm going to stack the Chiefs every week. I kind of made that rule as well. Um, but, you know, if you want to be – if you want to have some teams where maybe you stagger your walk-ins and Kelsey exposure and kind of hope that Kelsey is the one that, you know, is the one that explodes here, you'll have no problem with that.
2: Yeah, don't forget about Damian Williams either. Um, you know, as much as we like the pass catchers here, like Williams is going to get plenty of work out of the backfield running the ball and catching the ball. Um, Andy Reid designs plays for his running back each and every week. We saw six catches on six targets. He will be efficient like that. Like he will have, you know, seventy-five plus per, percent catch rate um, most of the weeks. So, really like Damian Williams' price. Um, I think he's an excellent pivot off of one of those guys. I think you can play, you know, the running back and and or Watkins and Kelsey. I think you can play Watkins and Kelsey together. I think you can play Hardman if you want a tournament flyer. I think you can play Robinson, who played a ton of snaps as well. The thing that I love about Patrick Mahomes is he's going to throw the ball to whoever's open. So,
3: yeah, I think I, I forgot to mention. You know, the, the what makes this even more appealing is the Raiders lost um, their safety, Jonathan Abram. Uh, Abram last uh, last week for the season. Um, we saw you know Gary and Conley day to day with a neck injury. So the Raiders are banged up here. Um, I think for me, for Damian Williams, you know, I, I'm not sure what LaShawn McCoy's role is going to be for this week. I mean, he had 10 carries or I think he had 10 carries. He had 10 carries last week. So that's maybe one concern that I may have on, on this running back situation and something we probably have to monitor a little bit.
2: Yeah. Like if I'm playing Williams, it's more on a PPR site. Like I think he's going to be involved in the passing game. That's why I want to play Williams. So McCoy is, is there and he's going to get work. And we, we already saw that one week. Um, the Oakland side, Josh Jacobs look great. Tyrell Williams is the goat. Um, absolutely love Tyrell Williams. I think he's a cash game play this week at forty four hundred. It's that it's that Monday night, you know, type of pricing where these guys go off on Monday night and we get to take advantage of it. He's going to be very popular here. Don't care. Um, love Williams here, and obviously Waller is going to be popular. Three point three k there's so many ways to stack this game um it, it makes it such an appealing game for tournaments and cash games
3: yeah i should clarify something that i said in the minnesota game you know i mentioned that i considered dalvin cook a cash game play and i think what i did was i was i was playing around with you know roster construction maybe on sunday night or monday morning and then we saw josh jacobs explode you know on, on monday and i think that um kind of changed my perceptions and we've got so many cheap running backs on the slate so we've got josh jacobs we've got um, Matt Rita, you know potentially Joe Bernard, and um, we haven't even talked about Alvin um, Kamara yet. So uh, there are just I think that's where roster construction is really going to be focused on. You know which which cheap running backs are you going to pair you know with um, potentially Alvin Kamara if you're if you're able to pay up. Um, but I agree with you. Tyrell Williams is probably one of the strongest cashing plays here. I think the the pricing for the Raiders you know came out before their Monday Night game where we saw. You know, Williams, the clear wide receiver one. We saw Darren Waller, the you know, uh, in every down tight end. You know, He's only 3,300 on DraftKings and 5,400 on FanDuel. He's just Josh Jacobs, just underpriced here. So, um, I love the idea of you know a Carr Waller Tyrell stack. You know, you can bring it back with a Watkins or a Kelsey. You know, if you're expecting um, the Raiders to be playing for behind, we've seen. Derek Carr have really good games at home against the chiefs You know, his last three games, uh his last two games against the chiefs at home. He's thrown for three touchdowns in each of those games. So th- there's a lot of upside here.
2: Yeah. And he's probably the cheap quarterback that I'd play in cash games this week at 5,100. If you want to go that route, I think we got a lot of value. I don't know if you need to necessarily go cheap at w- or quarterback, but he was a guy that I was throwing around in, in lineups earlier um, doing research. So, yeah lot of exposure to this game sets up as a really good game and then we go to this next game where there's not a ton of options it's Chicago at Denver it's a 40 and a half total Chicago's favored by two and a half um it's just a game that on paper to me it is ugly um when we look at the Chicago side we have no idea what to think about the running back situation they used all three guys last week um you know if you're playing anybody it'd probably be Cohen on PPR sites but I think the only viable play here to me in any way is Allen Robinson.
3: Yeah. And even Allen Robinson has his own warts, right? He's up against Chris Harris. Um, He'll have a little bit more appeal if there's no Trey Burton, but the volume should be there regardless. Um, But yeah, I think I'm pretty much off. I'm pretty much off the bears. I mean, besides Robinson, you know, we saw Mike Davis start, but he was in a 60-40 split with David Montgomery. And then Terry Cohen was – almost used like a whiteout. He saw 10 targets and no carries. And it seems like they want to use him in more of a whiteout role. Um, so I just, you know, maybe in the afternoon slate, you could you could take some shots on Cohen or Robinson. But I just I just don't think we, we need to go here other than maybe you know, a Bears defense against Joe Flacco.
2: Yeah, like Mike Davis got work. Like, you know, uh, Mike Davis was really involved in the passing game. I, I thought that's what Cohen was for. So <laughs> it, was yeah. just, it was just one of those games where, Uh, just nothing really standing out to me here for Chicago. And, you know, even on the Denver side, like both these defenses are very interesting to me when I'm building lineups, like both like Chicago is probably my favorite defense, even on the road, going into Denver, um, on the slate. I I think that there's a lot of potential here. Like, I think you can look at Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, I do. I think you can look at Cortland Sutton. Uh, they're both really cheap. They both had plenty of targets and you know, Manny Sanders looked like he never got hurt.
3: Yeah, I was really shocked. I mean, he's like eight months removed, nine months removed from a from his Achilles injury. Um, but you know, at the, the analysis of the Bears is almost similar to the Broncos where we're still seeing Phillip Lindsey and Royce Freeman in a 50-50 split in week one. And it makes me concerned about the running options here. Um, and then Sutton and Sanders are really the only two options that I have interest here. But on a main slate, I don't really think I w- want to go out of my way and pick on the Bears defense So I think I'll probably be underweight on this entire game. And I assume the industry as a whole will probably be underweight on this game too.
2: Um, You know, moving on here, we got the saints and the Rams Um, outside of the, the giants and Buffalo. No game is projected to be as fast as this game is expected to be played. Um, Buffalo and New York played at third and sixth fastest pace in, in week one. These two teams played at seventh and eighth fastest pace. So um expected a lot of plays in this game and you know obviously anytime we go to new orleans anytime we're looking for floor we're looking at alvin kamara who did not disappoint in week one
3: yeah he saw 75 25 split with latavius murray so he's still going to be you know losing a little bit of carries um to uh, his backup but you know, he's without christian uh, mccaffrey on the main slate I and mean, kamara is the clear number one uh, for running backs and you know i I think I, have, I, I want to try and get up to him in cash games if I can. Um, you know, in the Drew Brees, again, he's notorious for his worst road splits. And, you know, last year we saw that. He had a 21-to-1 touchdown to interception ratio at home, but it was a 11-to-4 touchdown to interception ratio on the road. And this is a road game. So I'm a little bit worried about Brees here. Um, you know, again, those home road splits could be a little bit noisy, but I feel like with guys like Drew Brees – with um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, I put a little bit more weight into it because we've seen it longer. Yeah, um, again, I don't have problems with Michael Thomas here. He had a 33% market share, but uh, again, uh, I think for me it's really Alvin Kamara that I'm I'm focused on here, and I'm just gonna you know maybe just reserve my interest in, in the passing game uh, for tournaments just because of Breeze's kind of um, history of, of road splits.
2: Yeah, obviously home road splits are always something that's, you know, something that you have to look at, you have to be concerned with. Um, was really impressed by Ted Ginn, not practicing, dealing with a little bit of an illness. So I'm not too concerned there. I think he'll be play. He's really cheap again. But Thomas is obviously the guy. I think it's a it's a, a good spot to potentially buy high on Jared Cook. Uh, there's a ton of tight end options that are underpriced this week that I think Cook will be that guy that's kind of overlooked here. We might get Jared Cook at like 5% ownership um i'm expecting points to be scored in this game like obviously we already talked about the pace that has the highest total on the slate um you know we're we're expecting points here and you know we go to the other side of this game it's it's a great bounce back for everybody on this team um woods cooks cup i'm gonna mix and match these guys i think that you know robert woods is probably my favorite option he always is um but yeah this is a spot that i think we go right back to the well um and Cooper Cup is an amazing spot. P.J. Williams stinks. I've, I've said this for years. He has those random good games every once in a while, but like Cup is the guy that's interesting. Cooks is interesting because they can't guard the the deep ball. There's so many ways to attack the Saints' defense deep. So I love the wide receivers here. I'm probably off of Todd Gurley. Um, it was it was too much of a close share for me to play Gurley at seven K.
3: Yeah, Gurley had a seventy thirty split with Malcolm Brown and Brown was the one that got the touchdowns. So sucked all the value out of Gurley. And um yeah, I'm really torn here because you know, Gurley is gonna have no ownership and the top end, you know, running back options are gonna be even thinner um on the slate with no no McCaffrey, with Ezekiel Elliott. Still, you know, we're not unsure. We're still unsure what what, what his role is gonna be. So, you know, if gurley gets if girl is one getting those you know one or two touchdowns right our, our perceptions different but for now i think we have to go off the assumption that they want to just take it easy with them so yeah i'm a little bit off Gurley as well i might you know throw some darts on him on on a site like um fanduel where you know i can get the touchdowns if if he's somehow able to get them um at, at like 5% 10% ownership um i was really shocked at cooper cup's um 90% snap count you know, I, we didn't see him at all in the preseason i thought maybe they were um, they wasn't maybe fully healthy, but you know, 90% of the snaps he caught seven of his 10 targets. I, I, he's, he seems healthy. Um, so if, if I'm going, you know, to attack this game, yeah, I love the stack of, you know, Cooper cup, Brandon cooks, Robert woods. They're all in play. And we, we know that we know that golf actually has you know the opposite of, he's got better home splits. His home splits last year, 22 to three touchdown interception ratio compared to 10 to nine on the road. So this is a spot where you know historically, you know, Goff should have you know, some success here.
2: Yeah, and Goff got a price decrease. Yeah, you know, he's fifty nine hundred. I like the price on him. We know the Saints. You know their secondary is very beatable. So um, definitely like this game just in general. Obviously, I think a lot of people like this game. But Saints defense was nothing to brag home about. Gurley, I, I like the Gurley call on like a Fanduel, um, Fanduel Yahoo type play. Um, I, I like that call just because. Um, you know, it's certainly interesting. So, All right, finishing up here with Sunday Night Football and Monday Night. We'll give quick thoughts on Monday night, but let's talk the Sunday Night Football game, just because some of the sites definitely include this in their main slate. We got Philly at Atlanta, um, 51 total here. Atlanta is probably a team that you know we're expecting one of the biggest bounce backs from this week after a very disappointing week one. But Philly looked great. Deshaun Jackson looked great. Jeffrey looked great. I think the biggest thing here is this is another running back situation I want nothing to do with.
3: Yep, I completely agree. You know, it was a fifty thirty twenty split between Miles <laughs> Sanders, Darren Sproles, and Jordan Howard. And I was wrong. I mean, that that's where I take my L. I was wrong on Jordan Howard. I actually thought Jordan Howard would have the lion's share. I did not expect Miles Sanders to to lead this committee. But, you know, this is a spot where I mean if you're playing a showdown slate, um, I mean, just good luck, right? Like you you don't know who's who's gonna be in when <laughs> when they're at the goal line um and you know i think you just on a main slate you know you you play you play the wideouts you play wentz you play jackson and Ertz and jeffrey but yeah i just this is going to be a headache until we see miles sanders kind of run away with the job
2: this would be a week that if you're playing a showdown slate like miles sanders a little interesting just because of who he's facing um but like even sproles has that same like it would be whoever gets the touchdown, and, like, it could be either one of those guys. So um, if I'm playing a showdown slate, like, Sproles, we know he's going to get plays drawn up for him in the passing game. So, like, he's obviously interesting here. Um, Atlanta allows so many passing yards, um, receiving yards to running backs. So um, I probably would play Sproles in a showdown slate over Sanders and Howard, but I, I would, I think I'd play Sproles and Sanders before Howard in showdown on DK just because of the pass-catching ability against Atlanta, but love Jackson, love Jeffrey. Go right back to the wall on those guys. I don't even care. Um, I think both those guys are very fine options. I don't expect Jackson to have a monster game like that, but we we have to note that he had 10 targets and Jeffrey's still your red zone threat here. He's just a giant red zone guy that Wince loves. So uh, what are you doing here with Atlanta?
3: So Atlanta, I'm also off the run game. You know, I thought Devontae Freeman was going to have this huge – you know, this huge role. And we saw Ito Smith and Devonte Freeman have a 50, 50 timeshare, which didn't make sense to me because, you know, in the preseason, we saw, you Smith fighting for a job with Brian Hill. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, in a timeshare with Devonte Freeman. And I don't know if it was, you know, game script dependent, um, last week and you know, when they were playing for behind, or if Ito Smith is, um, gonna have a larger role than we expect so this is maybe a spot where we have to get a little bit more of a a sample size to see what Freeman's long-term role is gonna be but you know I think in a showdown slate I think Julio and your captain against Ronald Darby is you know a spot where he should just do whatever he wants
2: yeah Philly allowed 28 rushing yards um in in week one too they were one of the best run defense They, they funneled they allowed 28 rushing yards and 370 passing yards so it's an amazing Julio spot. I love the the Julio captain. Um, I like Calvin Ridley, too. I, I think both these guys are very much in play. Uh, Austin Hooper, if you're playing a showdown slate, um, he's in play as well. If you're playing over on Fantasy Draft, I think Julio is a guy you want to even consider playing in cash uh, just because the spot is just so good. You're going to have to pay up to get him, but we have a ton of value on this slate, so... Um, definitely be looking at Julio in all formats. Uh, just quick thoughts here on Cleveland, New York. Uh, what's your thoughts on Cleveland?
3: Um, Cleveland, you know, this is, um, recency bias again, right? We, we were, everyone thought that the Browns were going to be this amazing team. And then Baker Mayfield throws three picks and has a safety and gets sacked five times. And I think it's just a reminder that, you know, the, the raw talent is there, but, you know, we want to maybe see it pieced together first. Um but it's just a weird game where they were lost by 30 to the Titans. And I don't expect that to happen here to the Jets. Um I you know, I, I think I think we just put aside the recency bias, you know, the talent's still there. Um Beckham and Landry have played hundred percent of the snaps, and Joker played 90% of the snaps. So they're gonna be on the field and just go back there. Um and I think on the Jets side, I was completely shocked. Le'Veon Bell played hundred percent of the snaps. You know, we had a pretty good discussion last week we we just didn't know what to expect and I, I did not expect you know a full complement of workload um, Jameson Crowder had 17 targets and we know that Sam Darnold loves the slot receiver I did not expect 17 targets though
2: I ended up playing quite a bit of Crowder by the end of the week like he was a guy that I ended up playing he was one of the things that I got right by the end of the week but I, I love him here Uh, This is another spot. I I go right back to the well on him. I love LeBell. As a football player, I do anyway. So, uh, like, uh, he's a guy that I really like in this spot. I like Chubb, you know, because Dontrell Hillard is in concussion protocol. Oh, we should have mentioned Anunwa went on the IR. They did get DT from New England. But I just don't know if he'll be ready. He's dealing with a hamstring injury too. So, this might be a week they give him off. So, Anderson and Crowder would probably be the two guys there. But, you know, looking at Cleveland, Beckham, Landry, it's a showdown slate. Go right back to the well. Chubb, Beckham, Landry, Njoku. Um, You know, I would even – honestly, if I'm playing Monday Night Showdown, like I would consider playing Crowder in my captain spot to free everything up on the Cleveland side of things because that's where I want the production to come from and – captain crowder let's do it
3: <laughs> yeah you know and this would be pretty contrarian but you could even if you think mayfield struggles again which you know it, it's probably unlikely but if he has another similar game you can play jets defense and you know hope he throws more picks gets more sacks and you know it's again it's contrarian but it's, it's definitely an option
2: it is very contrarian but uh, it's certainly an option um don't forget about like darno Um, Darnold, if you're playing that like showdown slate, we don't have that showdown slate up yet. It's not up available yet. Uh, so we, we don't know the pricing or anything. It's still early in the week, so we can't even look at pricing, but I'm kind of hoping Crowder is a little underpriced and we can take advantage of it. Uh, let's play the morning grind game for the main slate and then we'll get out of here. Um, give me a running back, not top five running backs like we took out last week, um, to, to get over a hundred yards here.
3: Uh, I'm going to go with Mark Ingram.
2: All right, I like that one. That's a solid one. Um, I'm going to go with Sonny Michelle. Um, I really, really think this defense is terrible. So if, as long as he gets to work, I think he gets there. I like that High receiver to get over 100 yards. Okay,
3: I am going to go with. I'm going to go with Julian Edelman. I think they just feed him.
2: All right, we're on opposite sides there.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know.
2: Um. You know what? After watching the Saints the other night, give me Brandon Cooks stretching the field on that team. Um, if he finds the end zone one or two times, he could be a monster play here. Give me a tight end to score a touchdown that's not in the top five.
3: Okay, I picked him last week. I'm going to keep picking him. Delaney Walker. All
2: right. You got that one right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, You know what? I'm going to go with Hawkinson. I, I Just yeah. – The talent seems to be there. Uh, Give me an under five K flex play to score over twenty points.
3: Okay, he'll be popular, but um, I have to go with Tyrell Williams,
2: the gazelle. (laughs) I like that one. Um, I'm gonna go Fitz. Uh, I talked about him Hmm. earlier. I really like. I know it's a tough matchup against Baltimore, but I like Fitz a lot. Uh, And then finish it out with a quarterback to score or to throw over three hundred yards.
3: Okay, I'm gonna um, buy into the home splits and go with Ben Roethlisberger in a bounce back spot.
2: All right, I'm gonna go with. Oh man, who do I want to pick here? I want to take some contrarian. I like, I like, the, I love the contrarian life. You know what? Give me Derek Carr. Oh,
3: I, I like that like one.
2: Super contrarian, but yeah. All right, Alan. Any final thoughts before we get out of here?
3: Uh no, I think what you mentioned at the start of the show about recency bias um that's going to come into play for tournaments because we all have this idea now of what we expect you know certain teams are going to be, and you know we only have a one week sample and you know just continue to attack recency bias and you know be willing to go out and eliminate tournaments
2: yes sir um I definitely don't disagree with that like i said i I I gave you guys my speech. Um, I, I think that recency bias in week two is the the biggest edge that we get um, because it's a one week sample. Seventeen weeks of the season, we don't have a large sample anyway. So recency bias is a thing all year, but I feel like it's m- much bigger in week two. So hope everyone enjoyed the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow talking some more baseball. There's plenty of baseball content here at Roto Grinders for free. You get the grind down it and stuff like that. So if you're looking for baseball content, you can check that out. He is Alan Lem. I am CBTPFL. This is week two. Hope everyone crushes. We'll see you guys again next week.